right. Well, good morning, Bray family. Hopefully you have your sermon notes with you. Uh, today we're going to be doing a talk simply entitled Palm Sunday because today is what we call Palm Sunday. And uh, let me just say on the Easter egg drop, uh, we have 400 registered for each egg drop, so 800 completely sold out. So um, when we say we're sold out, we are sold out, okay? And, uh, and then I told one of our elders, and pray for us in the meantime. And, um, and so it's going to be a great event. So, um, so today is one of those days where as a communicator and as a leader and as a planner, um, kind of intimidate me a little bit. Because I like to have a plan, I like to know where I'm going, you know, I like to have it scripted out, um, I like to have meal plans throughout the whole week, I like to plan for a vacation and have everything dialed in. I know some of you, that is not you, uh, I don't know how you operate in life, <laughs> but the planners are like, I totally understand that we have calendars all over our house. I know we got one on your phone. That's not enough when you're a planner. You'd want in every location of your house to keep everything in order, color-coordinated. Um, this past week, let me preface what I'm about to say. Um, if you're new with us, this uh, today is, is um, a little unique. And even for those who belong to our church family, I ask you for grace today in advance because it could be a little unique. Okay. So this past week, um, I was able to go away on a, I thought it was one thing, but it ended up being something completely different. Has Jesus ever done that to you? You thought he was gonna take you somewhere, he took you somewhere completely different? And in this week, I uh, was able to take some time with the Lord. And I can't remember the last time I took this much time consecutively, uninterrupted, time with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me. And I met him. Again. And downloaded a lot into my heart. And I met him. Incredible. And so for some of you who I know prayed for me, I think God did exactly what he wanted to do, so I thank you for your prayers. And I was at this place all week, and I, I knew I had to also prepare for today. So I'm a planner and of course, I'm thinking, God, what is the sermon? He's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you the sermon. You talk to you. And so all week long, I didn't, wasn't able to pack together a sermon. You know? And so he did a lot of work in my heart. And driving back, about a two-hour drive back to Dallas Airport from where I was, um, I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say to the people? He said, what do you want to say to them? I said, well, I want, to, I want to tell them what you told me. And then he said, then tell them. So I said, okay. 
so here's what I want you to know today as we begin this talk. And that is, and this is going to be a statement of knowledge, but I want it to penetrate your heart today. That you are his child. And he loves you. Let that sink in for a second. You're his child and he loves you. I know. You're thinking, I know that. What I want to show you today is, and challenge you in is, I know you know that. I know some of you know that. Because you've heard that, so you know that. You know that. I know that. Right here. You are his daughter. You're a son. Okay? Do you know that? So I want to show you something today. How do, how do I know if I know it here and how do I know if I know it here? I want to show you something today. All right? If you have your Bible, John chapter 4 and Luke 19, okay? We're going to go to John 4 first. Now, here's what's crazy about this. The Holy Spirit told me to give you this word today. And then I was thinking about it all day yesterday. And then last night, I went to prepare for this. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go back into what I preached on Palm Sunday last year just to see. And it was John 4 and Luke 19. And Satan tried to convince me, or his demonic forces of hell, you can't preach what you preached last week, last year. They're going to think you haven't prepared. He started just putting lines in my mind. So I'm stomping on his face right now. Anyway, say amen. Don't judge me because I'm preaching a very similar talk. Well, he preached on John 4 and Luke 19. Oh, don't jump out. I think God wants to say something to you. All right. Do you have a Bible? Anybody not have a Bible at home? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. It's okay. We want to give you a Bible today. Okay, if you, anybody not have a Bible, a good, solid study Bible that you understand when you read? Anybody not have one? Raise your hand up high. Put it up. Well, you want pink or teal? No, which one do you want, pink or teal? Teal, okay. What's your name? Cindy? Okay, Cindy, ready? That's a good, solid $50 study Bible. It's yours. Okay, listen. So, hey, Cindy, we don't hand out cheap Bibles here. Okay? Okay. Now, Cindy, listen to me. Okay. Anybody else need a Bible before I say this? Now you go, ooh, $50. I can go sell that. You might need a Bible. Anybody need a Bible? Somebody got it in the hand in the back? Okay. You don't have one? Give her one. Okay, what's your name? Who's, who's getting it? Oh, Ratha, okay. I know you, Ratha. That's why I said it that way. Okay, anybody else not have one? Raise your hand. Now's the time. 
God's trying to give you his word. Anybody need one? Raise your hand high. Okay, we're good. Another one? Okay. Remind me of your name? Sandy? Okay. Anybody else need one? No? Okay. If you're too embarrassed to raise your hand, they will be free in the back. Okay? Just take one and go. All right? All right. God knows you got it. Okay. So for those who, who grab one, and maybe those who grab one later, the Lord told me to give you a Bible today. He wanted you to have it. Okay? And so I ordered them, and they weren't supposed to get here until tomorrow. But last night at 9.30 p.m., guess what showed up on my doorstep? He wanted you to have one, Cindy. Rathna, he wanted you to have one. Sandy, he wanted you to have one. Thank you. All right, amen? Okay. In John chapter four, it's a passage of the woman who meets Jesus at a well. You can watch it on the series, The Chosen, if you want to. Act it out. It's a pretty cool scene. I'm sure some of you have heard it many times. In fact, I have preached it a few times over the past seven years, but there's a line I want to preach from today. Let me tell you the story. Jesus meets a woman at a well. Normally, he goes a certain route from Jerusalem to Galilee. This time, he goes through Samaria. Normally, they didn't go through Samaria. Normally, they went around a longer way because they didn't want to travel through Samaria because they didn't like the Samaritans. There was a lot of religious tension between Jews and Samaritans. But Jesus tells his followers, we got to go through Samaria, and he meets this woman at the well. And he meets this woman who's committed adultery five times, basically. And she's married again. Been divorced five times. Shouldn't have said committed adultery five times. I should have said been divorced five times, which maybe in some legalistic view of Jewish faith could have been seen as adultery. Bottom line is this woman is messed up. She's got a lot of hurt. She's got a lot of pain. She's got a lot of wounds. Doesn't tell us a lot more about her life, but we can imagine that her childhood probably wasn't great. Maybe her own parents were divorced five times. A lot of wounds, not a lot of friends. We believe, seems like a lot of biblical scholars agree, many of you have heard this already, that she um, is an outcast of society. Not a lot of ladies wanted to hang out with her. She's been around the block a few times, all that. She's filthy in many people's eyes. But Jesus says, I got to go to this well. And so in this conversation, he calls her out. He says, go tell your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, I know you have five. Now, just think about this. What would it take for someone to tell you? I don't know. Let me say it this way. Imagine you meet somebody for the first time. And they say, you are a sinner. How many of you would say, I want to hang out with you more? You know, okay, nobody. It just seems like I never want to talk to you again. All right, keep that in mind. But has a conversation with Jesus. He calls her out on her sin. Now, the sin isn't because he's mad at her. The sin 
is because there's a separation in their relationship and he's broken because of what has occurred in her life. I want to replace your sin theology right now. Sin is not because God's angry with you. Sin hurts your relationship with him and he's broken over it. Okay. It's not angry. It's broken over what's happening in our relationship. I want to heal the wound. Okay. So this woman has this conversation. In verse 427, just then his disciples returned. We're supposed to find him talking to a woman. They were surprised. They couldn't believe it. But no one asked them, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? So there's this awkward silence. That's what I wanted you to see. In the scene, you can feel the tension. But they dare not ask the question why he is talking to this woman. They don't understand it, but they're not going to keep pressing in. And then in this awkwardness, watch what happens in verse 28. She leaves her, jar, her water jar. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It's interesting that she says, he told me all the things that I ever did. All we know is they talked about these marriages. But she says, come and, come and see this man who told me everything about me. The Jewish people believed that one essential characteristic of the Messiah would be that he would be able to tell them the secrets of the heart. And this, they believed, was simply predicted in Isaiah chapter 11. So she leaves her water jar, which I find interesting that John wants us to know that little bitty detail when he writes this down in a letter. So you say, why would she leave her water jar? It's what she came for to the well. I think it's because of verse 30. Verse 30 says, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. So she goes and gets more people and brings them back to him, and they make it back to him. She left her water jar there because she knew she was coming back. Okay. The woman was so moved by her conversation with this man, Jesus, she goes and tells everyone in her city, and yet all we know about this particular man, as far as we can see, is he told her she had sinned. She was so impressed by this man that she runs back to him. Why? I propose to you there was a love in his heart, in his eyes, that you never seen, never felt, never experienced. It wasn't the words that came out of his mouth that drew her back. It was his presence. His presence. It wasn't about a guy who said, he hates me, he judges me, he doesn't want me around. This man is staying in the conversation and he hasn't left me. He didn't make fun of me. He didn't give me a hard time about it. Something in this man's presence 
changed her that would make her want to run back to him. And what made the difference? Write this in your notes. The presence of God changes everything. I want to show you why that is. Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. The Sunday before Passover was the day people began to celebrate the celebration of Passover. For the Jewish people, Passover was more than a religious observance. In other words, Passover wasn't just a day you go to church to get palm branches. Passover was a season of freedom. When people celebrated their freedom from slavery of Egypt, Exodus chapter 12, that's where it all comes from. It was a time of year that they celebrated the liberation from Egyptian bondage. During Jesus' time, they also used the opportunity to express their longing for political freedom in Rome. They wanted their nation, separation from Rome's control. So Jews oftentimes would have false messiahs who would enter in to the city during Passover and cause riots. And so Roman soldiers oftentimes would bring extra military and troops during this Passover season into this time, into the city for protection to make sure that it didn't get out of, out of sorts. Oftentimes it would end in a bloody bath. So on this particular Sunday, on the Sunday before Passover, the city would have been crowded with people because historically in Exodus chapter 12, this was the day for lamb selection. You were to pick out a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, a pure lamb to sacrifice on the coming Friday. So people were talking about which lamb they were going to get sacrifice. And so this day, many Jewish families packed the city and pick out a lamb that would die and be sacrificed in remembrance of what God had done in Exodus chapter 12. Key truth, write this in just so you know. Have you ever heard the term the Lamb of God? Here's what simply it means. Jesus is God's Passover lamb. In just a few minutes, we know the Lamb of God is gonna be riding on a donkey into the city and eventually be crucified on Friday. It was essentially God saying, here's my lamb. I'm bringing my lamb to the table. Perfect and blameless. <clears throat> Perfect and blameless. All right, keep reading. Here we go. Luke 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany to the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one can, has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And they was, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw the cloaks on the colt, put Jesus on it. Verse 36 says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Other writers in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, who write about this story, 
also talk about the people had palm branches out for time. I won't go to that verse, but we know that that's where we get Palm Sunday from. You say, what was the symbol of palms? Why, why palm branches? Oftentimes, as a symbol of their freedom and remembering of their nation, Jewish coins oftentimes have palm branches. Palm branches were not a symbol of peace and love. This is important. Okay? As Christians, typically we assume, that's not true, they were a symbol of Jewish nationalism. Essentially, they were expressions of the nation and the people's desire for freedom. It'd be similar today what you see as the stars and stripes on a flag in our nation. Representation of freedom. Luke 19 says, verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd, disciples began, which means previously they weren't, to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Matthew writes it this way, Matthew 21, verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who had followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means deliverer, savior. It could be said to say, save me or deliver me. It was a political statement. That's important to know. That's really important to understand. They weren't calling him Hosanna because of who he actually was. They were calling him Hosanna, which is the right name, but for a different reason. In other words, they're calling him by the right name, but not for the right reason. They had head knowledge, but they didn't have heart knowledge of who he was. They thought he was a political savior. Deliver me. They weren't thinking of a savior of their sins. They were calling on a political leader to save them as they cried out for freedom in their nation. In other words, please save us, give us freedom. We're sick of these Romans being in control. With that in mind, verse 39, some of the Pharisees who were Jews in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, tell them to be quiet. Stop shouting. Why? Because if they get too loud, the Romans will come in. Soldiers, those troops, and they'll start slaying us. Keep it down. The enemy wants you to Keep it down with fear and intimidation. Okay. Keep quiet because the Romans might kill you. Then verse 41 says, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. What was it about the presence of Jesus with this woman? I think the answer is in this. I'll show you. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. I want to show you another time that Jesus wept in Scripture. It comes out of John 11. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? So Jesus is at a funeral. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. The Greek word for wept there means to shed tears quietly. It was a word that's different than the word that was used when Jesus enters Jerusalem, two different weepings. In the funeral, he's, I can't say anything. Tears. Just feel you. What do you want me to say? It hurts. No. Mary. Martha. A different Greek word is used when he's on the donkey and he's entering into the city. And it says that he's weeping. It's a different Greek word. It means to wail loudly. To weep loud. To lament Loud. Two different weepings. The tears that Jesus shed as people cried out political Hosanna were tears of grief. He knew they didn't know him in regards to who he actually was. They knew him. They didn't really know him. Different. And he wept aloud because of it. Jesus loves you very deeply and he weeps over those who don't know him. Again, not those who don't know him, but those who don't know him. Different. And here's why in verse 42, Luke 19, it says, if you, even you, had only known this day, what would bring you peace? And that's the line I wanted to preach from. What would bring you peace? Okay, pause. Brings you peace. Beach, more control. Feel more peaceful when you have more control? Does it sustain you though? More money in the bank, more peace? You think so? Believe that? I think more money in the bank brings you peace. A spouse? If my spouse would just blah, 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 then we'd have more peace. You think a spouse is gonna bring you more peace? Friends? I think if you had 100 friends, 50 friends, 30 friends, how many friends do you need to find peace? Recognition at your job? Someone to recognize you, affirm you, approve you? What brings you peace? The people were convinced we need a political leader to bring us peace. Response. Jesus weeps loudly. If you had only known... 
what actually brings you peace. And it moves him in his heart. But he weeps aloud. As humans have searched for peace and they can't find it in a political leader, in a bank account, in a job title, in a marriage, they can't find it and it wrecks him. I hope you never see Palm Sunday again. Same way. Two reasons, two types of tears. You can write this in your notes. Number one, quiet cry. He cries because you hurt. That would be people who know him. That could be people like Mary and Martha. They knew him. They were with him. They loved him. They were hurting. And he weeps with them. And it's a quiet cry. But those who didn't know him, not Mary and Martha, those in the crowd, those in the Palm Sunday, why is he weeping differently? Write this in, because they didn't know him. Loud cry. He cries quietly or he cries loud. Question, how does Jesus cry for you? Everyone's got to answer that one differently, but those are your options because he either weeps quietly, he's weeping aloud. So, how does he cry for you today? Are you hurting? You know, is there a wound? A wound? You're trying to put the mask on it, and you're like, no, I don't, I don't need to go there. Are you lonely? You've been searching for peace, can't find it? I just want you to know he weeps quietly today with you. Maybe you don't know him. Like you don't know him as dad. Really like a dad. Today he weeps aloud for you. Because you don't know him in that way. That was a good question to ask. You know. However you answer the question... Here's what Jesus is doing as he rides in on this donkey on Palm Sunday as a lamb to be slaughtered. His heart was always about, and it is always about bringing you and I peace, to bring peace into the chaos of your life, to bring peace into your heart, to bring peace into a broken world. Philippians 3, 7 writes this. Paul writes in Philippians, last verse. For whatever 
were gains to me. Listen to Paul's writing. This has wrecked my world this week. But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Andrews, I'll just invite you up if you would just for a minute. Verse eight. What is more, I considered everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now watch this. Paul writes this. And let me teach you this. This is so important that you get this today because this is so important to understand what, what drew this woman back why Jesus is writing in on Palm Sunday while all this is happening. Man, Paul really brings these things together. Paul was a murderer of Christians. He wasn't just a person who'd been married five times. This guy murdered Christians for a living. It's what he did. Help execute them. And Paul has met Christ, the same Christ that the woman at the well met. And, And he's had an encounter with him and everything changed in his life. And then he ends up writing his life purpose statement. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Then he says that I may gain Christ and be found in him. What is Paul writing here? He's actually giving his purpose statement life. Paul's purpose statement in this verse is revealed to you and me. This is really important. He says, you know what my life verse is? My purpose in life is to know Christ better. See, I've been in his presence and his presence changes everything. See, I used to know him here, but I didn't know him. Last week, you ever had God tell you something you didn't want to hear? So I'm pastor of a church, right? Been in ministry 17 years almost. The Lord told me something. He said, Ricky, this is a lot of conversation over several days. He said to me, Daughtership. Your 
all new. Everything else means nothing. Nothing compares to knowing that. I think that's what happened to the woman at the well. She found her daddy. She found her dad. She found the man of her life. The one from which no one can satisfy her deepest hurt and her deepest wounds. So, that was 
was really fast preaching right there, I know. I met the Lord. Here's one indicator. I know I met the Lord. And I'm his son. And I know that. A couple of things. One, your opinion does not matter of me. I do not care about your opinion. Number two, I have lost all pressure to perform for you. I am not ever on this platform again to ever feel at all. And none of you did this to me. I did it to myself. To perform. I am not here to perform for you. I do not want to perform anymore. I live to please one. And it's not you. And it's not my wife. It's not my in-laws. I do not live to please you too. And I'll tell you now, there is freedom in that. Some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious, stay with me. Some of you, you need to be freed because you don't know what that's like because you do live each day to please him, please her, and you're longing for that recognition. You long for that acceptance. You long for that affirmation. You long for that approval. You long for that job title. You long for that dollar amount in the bank that you think will give you peace, and it won't, and you're sick of searching for it because you've come up empty every single time. God, he weeps. If you just known what gave you peace, what's the secret? Sonship. anything at, at all, okay? 
that I'm done the religion stuff in church. I don't want to just put on a religious show. I want you to meet Jesus. The well is here. And I think there is an importance, by the way, if you're wondering, do I really have to go up there? And I know what it's like. Can I just speak to this in the room? There it, I know, I know that one, maybe two, three, some of you, you have the thought in your mind right now, I know I need to go up there, but you're negotiating with that. Right now, you're just, I'm trying to negotiate that because the enemy knows the moment you stand and what you're really doing is surrendering and the moment you surrender to the Lord, he has to flee. I'm 
right there with you. drink from that well over and over and over again because it's so good. Nothing but good news. Amen. Jesus. Anybody here, raise your hand if you don't know that you're a son or a daughter. You're like, I just don't know what that's like. Been in church, but you don't like to be a son or a daughter. Raise your hand if you're like, I don't know if I'm a son. Question your daughtership. Question that. Spirit's telling me to tell you something. Anybody else? Okay. Come here. I'm, I told the church I'm done with religion. I'm not here to perform. Man, he goes a long time. It's like 1130. I'm talking to him. I care about him. Are you ready?
numbers goes blind because you got a good dad. He watches over you every single day. You feel rejected, you feel despised, you feel overlooked, you feel whatever it is. He's a good dad. And he loves you. Amen. Amen. I know we're getting late. I know. I would love to pray for all of you, and I will pray for all of you. Maybe I'll just need prayer for something. said this is a house of prayer. Can we just have a house of prayer? Are we okay with that? Like, why, why do we put Jesus on a timetable? Like, Jesus, come on, man. You know, I mean, I know you died for me, but I got lunch to get to. I know. I do not, I told you it was a unique service. So can I have grace today? Next week, we have two services. I have to end on time. We'll keep it to an hour 20. It'll be a 40-minute service, nicely packaged and delivered and sealed. Today, I'm asking for grace, okay? If you give me grace, can you just lift your hand if this is okay? Okay, I have you. Is this okay? Can I just pray for some people? All right. Okay, how can I pray for you? Okay, let's pray for healing. Jesus is a healer. His uncle's in ICU. Let's pray. Let's pray for healing. What's his name? Jerry. Let's pray. Church, let's pray. Church, let's pray. Lord, come today right now in agreement, Father. Father, we pray for healing over Jerry's body. We pray for testimony to come, for resurrection to come to his body. And God, I pray that you'd bring this family peace in the name of Christ, that you are with Jerry now. Nothing is impossible with a living God. Nothing is impossible with you. We pray, Father, your will would be done. Lord, and your child would be set free. He'd be healed and delivered. Lord, today we come in agreement, standing as a church your truth. It says, by your stripes, we are healed. And I pray that you'd heal Jerry's soul, his mind, and his body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Don't think me. I'm just a guy. Anybody else need prayer for something? secret. 
every time you get one of those thoughts. And if you're out there and you get a depressive thought, a thought about your physical body that isn't good enough, a lie from hell, something a parent told you that you're still holding on to, a boss told you, an employee told you, a child told you, you're a terrible mom, you're a terrible dad, you're no good at this, boss, whatever, all those words that have come your way, I want you to take those thoughts, take it, and I want you to put it up against this statement. put me first above all things that you don't have to worry about a thing in your life he says come to know me in this way and I will grant you peace Lord Jesus I pray for those right now today that are just opening up enough that they would say God my mind is hurting dark thoughts go in the name of Christ they would flee in the name of Jesus Lord that she would just really embrace who she is before you and there would be freedom in her soul today let there be freedom in her mind today to hear what only you see God Jesus place your helmet of salvation around them today they would know not just they're saved but they're saved by a loving father and I pray there'd be freedom in their minds today that would go with them and you would walk with them separate. 
thank you for your grace and thank you for his spirit. Lord, we're so thankful for the cross. I pray that we would continue to walk with you each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, pause. I know we're going to go. Thank you. Can I just personally thank you? And anybody who's done, don't leave yet. Anybody who's waiting on you to have an appointment and work. And can I, I just want to say thank you for your grace today.
need prayer? Take care.